Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. (coughs) Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. I'm pleased to be your host. Very glad you've joined us today. And it's December 18, 2014. And we're talking with Michael Williams, Genesis Asset Management with headquarters in Chicago. He's the founding manager and partner. And today he's traveling and speaks to us from New York. Mike Williams, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for having me, and um, happy holidays to you and your listeners. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Mike and I go back uh, several years when I saw him at a couple of uh, money show presentations, and he did an excellent job. actually met with him in his office in New York, and uh, very pleased he's with us today. Mike also writes a daily e-newsletter or blog called Insights that uh, is very, very interesting. And uh, I think you must write it at about 5 in the morning, right, Mike? Yeah. Well, that would be a late writing time. I'm often there at 4. <laughs> I see. Well, I I can appreciate it. But it's very interesting reading. And uh, we'll, by, by at the end, we'll uh, let our listeners know how they can uh, receive Insights as well. Uh, Mike, you often call yourself a contrarian philosopher, um, or, or believe in contrarian philosophy, that's on your website. So tell us about you and Genesis Asset Management. You know, Charlie, I uh, started in this industry back in 82 when uh, if if you said financial advisor, people weren't really sure what that meant. Uh, but more importantly than that, we were in a very um, intriguing period on our in our economic history. Uh, as you recall, we had just finished the 70s, which, of course, at the time was called a lost decade. And for many, that will ring a bell because we've called the last decade a lost decade. But uh, at the time, in 82, we were facing 18% interest rates, plus it got to 20 and a half before it was over. We had 15% inflation. You could buy a 30-year government bond for 15-plus percent. Uh, gas had just broken a dollar a gallon, and we were certain the United States wouldn't make it. Uh, the Dow was 970 the day I first went to work. And, of course, the last thing you'd have contemplated in 1982 was a nearly 20-year bull market. And strangely enough, that's what unfolded. And we have a hunch that we're right about the same time frame again, oddly enough. Granted, uh, many of uh, your listeners may feel a bit uncomfortable embracing an idea like that, but no more so than they would have in 1982. So you are at this point uh, uh, perennial bull, Mike. Is that what we would call it? I don't know that I'd say perennial bull because we've we've certainly been bearish at, at many times that were important to be bearish. But we're a, we're a tops down macroeconomic. Uh, 
uh, viewer of events. And as we see various uh, sometimes complex pieces of this global puzzle fit together, we then try to target in on what issues might be opportunistic. And I think you've had a, uh, I guess, Charlie, since uh, since 9-11, we've had a, an extremely traumatic 10 or 12 years in our in our economic and financial worlds. We've had two bear markets. We've had a near economic collapse. Uh, we call it the Great Recession, but I've always said to people since 08 that it's going to be our generation's version of the, of the Great Depression and that we're going to remember it for a very, very long time. And um, lo and behold, here we are at record highs in the market, and there are trillions and trillions of dollars that are terrified to be in the marketplace, even though we've more than doubled since the uh, lows. So it's that complex yet very deeply instilled fear that, strangely enough, is going to cause things to rise further and further, surprising many. Uh, That's just the way, unfortunately, that's just the way markets work uh, over time. Okay, and how do you translate that, Mike, into uh, investment management? Well, I think, uh, as you well know, Charlie, uh, uh, part of, uh, I, would, I would say at least half of the job of a good investment manager is keeping uh, the client on their path. Uh, you, the one thing I've always uh, recognized as the surest route to not meeting one's investment goals is to stop. In other words, let outside events cause you to get off your target. Uh, we have uh, many, many years of history where anyone in the financial industry can show their client that the dangers are always lurking. Uh, it is the assumption that there is no danger that's probably the biggest flaw. The, uh, I express to everyone, no matter what your plan is, Every time you invest, you are taking risk. And by the way, if you're not taking risk, uh, then you should not expect a rate of return. That is simply the way it works. The complex layers of what risk is out there should be simply understood as part of the process, not a surprise, not something wrong, but it is part of the process of a long-term investment plan. And once people begin to uh, demystify this extremely emotional word risk uh, in their mind, then what tends to happen is they begin to accept this process as a required pathway so that they can invest steadily, they can remain disciplined, they can get a little bit more patient, and if they'll throw all those things together with a good advisor, they will find that they will end up meeting their goals. There, there's one uh, flaw that I like to remind people of, but we live in a uh, push-button world today, and it's a mistake for an investor to think investments work that way. Lots of other parts of our lives can work in a push-button manner, but we have to accept that the long-term process of meeting our financial goals and building for our family's futures uh, is indeed a long-term process. Uh, There will be 
uh, roller coaster rides. There will be waves that come along, uh, but you must stay on focus and you must stay on your path. And you will accomplish what you need to accomplish if you can kind of take that perspective. So, Mike, uh, what, what what strategies do you use in managing money other than that uh, an investor needs to stay on the path that they have selected? Well, again, I, uh, you've mentioned we're a, we're a contrary bunch. So, uh, oddly enough, when a lot of people uh, are, are excited about things uh, in certain parts of the investment arena, we tend to be trying to run the other way a little bit. Uh, and when they're terrified of things, we kind of try to go in there and pick through the rubble and see what they might have missed. Uh, and over time, that uh, begins to be um, kind of fun because you you tend to find really good opportunity when a lot of people aren't around. So, so what we try to accomplish is a diversified approach to what we see as a big-picture scenario. And I'll, I'll give you some specific examples because we happen to be living through one of those outcomes right now. We're watching crude oil uh, over the past several months literally collapse in price, uh, unprecedented uh, price reduction in, in the pressure uh, in the global marketplace. We um, wrote a piece called Tectonic Shifts, uh, and we posted on our website in March of last year. Uh, so it's been, what, 18, 19 months. And the number one target was the, the basis upon which we could no longer expect prices to stay above $100 a barrel. And we tried to explain that the massive amount of oil we are finding in the United States, and it's not just in the shale areas. I know that gets a lot of press, but we found massive findings in other areas of our country, we've we've got very um, low level of media coverage, but they're finding a ton of oil in the Gulf of Mexico. They're finding it in Canada. We've obviously found it in many parts of the United States. Mexico is blossoming. This continent is going to become a major supplier of oil. And all technology has done is increase our ability to get to it faster and cheaper. So what happens is, is you get this huge influx of supply, price collapses under that pressure, and everybody runs for the mountain. That's pretty much opposite of what you should do. You should embrace this as a very big positive. Hundreds of billions of dollars that used to leave our pockets as a consumer in the United States every year and go overseas because we were standing at a gas pump are now going to stay inside the borders of the United States. Now, if you can just contemplate in your mind what hundreds of billions of dollars trickling down into our own economy might blossom into as far as new businesses, new jobs, new new revenue structures, new opportunity, it, it can get a bit mind-boggling. But what it shouldn't be is making you afraid because things are getting more positive about the future. The other thing that's happening, and very uh, strangely enough, has a lot to do with the other reason oil is collapsing, is that if you recall, in 08 and 09, we had a huge automobile industry collapse along with the financial crisis. Right. 
Detroit. Detroit remade itself completely, and the cars today get twice as much gas mileage as they did before 08. They do. So as Gen Y, which is the largest part of our population to ever come into being as a generation, they're bigger than the baby boom by 25%, they're now buying their first cars. So all by ourselves, if we didn't find one more drop of oil, we're going to basically cut our gasoline demand in half just by changing the cars we drive over the next four or five or six years. And that's going to be driven by Gen Y. The younger kids are going to buy more economical cars. So these are kind of big picture events we look at to try to get a sense of what to stay away from because it's going to be a little dangerous, i.e., say, an oil company, uh, and what might be positive to be looking at and we think for example would be consumer oriented issues because we're all going to have more money to spend so it sounds simple but there are big pieces of those puzzles that help you build those pictures and mike uh your uh evaluation strategy are you guys it sounds like perhaps you're uh value investors we are value investors uh i i, I learned from one of the best uh, his name is robert kleinschmidt he's a a uh, very good friend and a colleague of mine that uh, I got to work with him for, for quite a few years in New York. And uh, I heard him answer in a radio interview one time, strangely enough. Uh, they said, well, gosh, uh, Robert, you're, you're stuck in all these value stocks. And he said, well, if I have to be stuck, I'd rather be stuck in something with value. So it was a, it was an interesting answer um, and, and one that took me a while to figure out the value of. People generally have this feeling, Charlie, that if a price of a stock falls, then it's bad. Well, strangely enough, after it's fallen, it's not as bad as before it fell. In fact, it's quite a bit less risky. Uh, if there is risk in everything, then there is less risk in something after it has hit a speed bump somewhere in its path. And by the way, almost every company it's a speed bump at some point. Uh, you know, there are periods of time that every organization is either adjusting to a headwind or a tailwind or a new product or a new cycle or a new competitor. There's always something that needs to be understood as risk to any investment. But a balanced approach, starting out with value first, will help you uh, I think uh, over time uh, feel less of the volatility that so many are afraid of. Mike, we appreciate that input. Why don't you hold that right there, and we're going to stop and take a break, and we'll be right back. We're talking with Mike Williams of Genesis, uh, Genesis Asset Management on Strategic Investor Radio. We'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. 
Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. All right, back to Charlie and his guest. We're talking today with Mike Williams of Genesis Asset Management, and he's the founding and manager partner at Genesis, and he's on a business trip in New York where he's talking to us from today. Uh, Mike, so I have a question for you. You you talked about uh, the importance of recognizing demographics and what Generation Y is, uh, how that's likely to impact uh, the the car business. Uh, What other kinds of uh, impacts do you see resulting from demographics? Uh, That's a great question, Charlie. What what we think uh, Gen Y is going to bring to the corporate structure is a a cleaner, uh, simpler view of what sometimes can be a complex structure. Uh, That's an easy way of saying they're going to find ways to do things cheaper. So the idea of finding more and more productivity gains uh, is going to be commonplace in the future. Profit margins will expand. Uh, Gen Y is the first generation in the history of the world that has been brought up completely on technology. They know more in their, I always like to say they know more in their little pinky than I know in my whole body about computers. Uh, and there are millions and millions of them. And when they start making their way into the, uh, structure of the corporate fabric of the world, uh, amazing things are going to happen. New ways of accomplishing tasks are going to be built. New software is going to be created. New technological tools are going to be accomplished uh, in almost every arena, from from rolling steel to making rubber to, to building a chip that goes in a car uh, to computers to software to apps. I don't think there's going to be a place that's untouched in the next 10 years by the uh, ingenuity and the uh, abilities to expand that Gen Y will bring. I I, I can hear you, and I don't think anybody uh, would disagree with that. But, Mike, how do you translate that into investment management are you buy and hold i would presume you are given what you've said here about the future and the long-term approach and the macro approach that you take to investment management right buy and hold is is our game Uh, that doesn't mean there isn't an emergency once in a while where you might do something different but uh buy and hold to us means a three to five year horizon what we look to accomplish is a doubling of value in that time window. Somewhere between three to five years, if I buy something for $10, I'd like to see it worth 20 uh, And if we can compound at that rate, we will uh, see our clients meet the goals that they tend to uh, uh, put in place. Uh, how you take that data of the various macroeconomic issues we've touched on and put it into... Uh, the pricing of a future security is is at times more art than science. Remember, we're talking about the future. And just to be clear, uh, no matter how smart something sounds, none of us knows what the future is. We can build a plan. We can hope to be on target. But we are indeed 
uh, guessing. So it's important that we be uh, upfront about that and we help the client understand that these are plans. They are guesses. They, they are not, they're educated, but they're not uh, designed to say this is going to happen because, as you know, there are no guarantees. But over time, you'll find that uh, a value approach, three to five year horizon, we have over time continue to meet those uh, targets that uh, that I stipulated earlier. Okay, and so do you manage only the equities portion of uh, portfolios? We uh, we have done bonds before. I would have to admit to you that today, if someone were asking me what they should invest in, uh, bonds would be the absolute last thing I would mention, unless some very odd set of circumstances presented itself. Uh, but today, if I look forward, uh, there are very little, well, there's very little room for a substantial improvement in the interest rate structure that the world faces, which automatically, automatically means that you will have far more benefit potentially available to you in the stock side of the world because low debt costs tend to uh, extrapolate out to higher equity values and vice versa. Sure. Okay, so you guys are individual stock pickers. You don't use ETFs or mutual funds at all. We do not use ETFs. We do use some mutual funds. Uh, Our core portfolio has 28 positions. Uh, It has been as high as 32 positions in the last three or four years. Uh, For the last four years, we have uh, exceeded the S&P 500 by about 4.5% per year. Uh, So uh, we've had a a good run here since... uh, since the uh, 08 and 09 periods, um, but that doesn't mean that you know tomorrow it won't start going wrong. <laughs> so, so uh, again, I, I always stipulate that the past doesn't matter. Uh, the future is what we have to work on. Right now, now do you diversify among large and small cap and among sectors, or do you just look for the best values? We do diversify. You have to have diversity, uh, and we do uh, operate in large, mid, and small cap areas. Uh, some of our better performing areas right now, obviously, are the biotech region. Healthcare is probably the next uh, major uh, beneficiary of technology over the next ten years. So, so a portfolio with a heavier weighting in technology, healthcare, and biotech. Strangely enough meets with both ends of the demographic puzzle we're facing today. We've got the baby boom uh, aging, and we've got the Gen Y bringing up the uh, the caboose, if you will, but with very highly driven technological advances pushing that uh, train along. And for your evaluations, I mean... Uh the reasons why a particular company stock has a lower P.E. ratio uh, than others in their industry, which is what makes them a value stock. And so it takes significant, as we all know, it takes significant evaluation and research to determine why that stock is worth less, just like in real estate, why this house is worth less than its neighbor's house. 
So uh, sure. what kind of research do you do, and what are the key factors that you look at to determine that this value stock uh, is a company that you're willing to invest in for the next few years? Well, it has to be a company that's not easily uh, repeated. Uh, you've heard Warren Buffett speak of it as a moat. You probably want to make sure management has a history of being successful. Uh, if they've had nothing but setbacks, then you know there are too many opportunities to look at, so you pass. If the reason the stock is cheap is because of something uh, fraudulent or illegal or uh, misfilings or inappropriate filings with the SEC, then we pass. If it's because management has been slow in getting new product out or they need to enhance their technology or they need to enhance their manufacturing, then those are the kinds of things that can be implemented and aren't uh, a direct fault of something. Often what you'll find, Charlie, is there will be a, a good example is what's happening right now in the energy sector. Everything associated with energy is being thrown out the window uh, to the point at which several of those things should be thrown out the window. Unfortunately, some things that shouldn't be are. So that's, the, you know, you've heard the saying, stand outside in the street and catch what they throw out the window. I would argue with you that there will be several energy companies today that if you went to sleep for the next four or five years, their prices will double, triple, quadruple over the next three to five years because of what they'll do during this uh, period of turmoil and change in the energy business. So it's not to say nobody in the energy business will be profitable. It's to say that the turmoil we're seeing will present several significant opportunities. Uh, and and that's where a value investor is, is going to be well-served but it requires patience, it requires discipline, and it requires the ability to understand that you don't buy the cheapest thing all the time. You, you don't get your best price the first time you buy. It's a, it's a process. Uh, and oil, I can assure you, a lot of my friends on Wall Street are chomping at the bit to go in and restructure all the oil companies that are gonna need to do things differently. Uh, in the next year or two to see what they'll do for the next 10 years after that. Well, uh, I've got to hand it to you. First of all, if you're in biotech and healthcare and technology, uh, that was good timing this year. So if you've been yes, able sir. to foresee that, uh, congratulations. And I hope that uh, it continues uh, to work that way. And like you say, because of Generation Y and other issues, uh, uh, there's a very good chance that those are three excellent sectors moving forward even from this year here. So last I couple of right. questions here, Mike. Um, what keeps you awake at night in dealing with uh, your strategies and in uh, managing people's investments? Well, you know, the, uh, the things that keep me awake at night are probably 9-11 type events. Uh, you know, a, a dirty bomb, uh, things that you cannot control, yeah, it makes me worry. There's absolutely nothing one can do to stop that risk. So you must learn to accept that we live in a world where, uh, you know, some people have <laughs> different ways of expressing themselves, and it's, uh, it's an unsettling process. But, but the things that keep me awake generally are things that 
you really can't stop. So uh, call me nutty, but uh, you have to live through that process. Um, and having done this for 32 years, I can say that I've learned at least that the worst fears you have uh, almost never actually unfold. Uh, you spend a great deal of time fearing things, and it's the thing out of left field that you never thought of that actually causes you your problem. So I always tell people to pay attention to left field because whatever is <laughs> going to cause us an upset is going to be the thing that we didn't think about. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you, Mike, my, my personal experience is the same the same way, it's uh, get, getting a hit from something uh, totally unexpected out of left field, and all these things I've been worrying about didn't happen, and this happened that I wasn't even thinking about, and uh, it becomes the, the big challenge. So I, I know right. what you mean. I know what you mean. Right. Let me ask you also, uh, what book would you recommend to our listeners on investments? Uh, you know, the new one by Tony Robbins that's out right now is not a bad one about wealth and building it. I will tell you this. Um, my experience, and again, it's just my experience. It's not uh, there's no uh, there's no Bible here, and this is going to sound like an odd answer. Um, the less less is more in the investment world. The less complex you can make things, the the less number of opinions you get thrown at you. The less. I, I know people who read six newsletters, five newspapers, they <laughs> go to 12 blogs, and then they wonder why they can't make a decision. The world about investing is, uh, you know, we live in this constant flow of data now, and strangely enough, I, I think history will prove to us that the more data people had access to, the less their rate of return became, because they spun themselves around in circles. So. While reading books is a great thing, and I don't uh, want to say anything against that, uh, getting too much data in your mind tends to do less for you as you look at the results of your portfolio. Uh, if you can keep your mind focused on your goals as a family, as a breadwinner, as a builder, as a business owner, as a doctor, as a lawyer, whatever your goals are for you and your family, make that what you be what you focus on and not the process of investing. Get a good advisor, get a team that you can trust, and then stay focused on your plan. Most everything else will fall into place, but if you try to get too much stuff in your head, that's when I've seen people start getting off their path and sadly, they don't end up meeting their goals. I, I hear you. There, there's a great difference between information and, and knowledge and wisdom. And yes, uh, no question about it, today we're on information overload, several aspects of our society. So, Mike Williams, uh, as a final uh, parting uh, shot here, what, uh, what final words would you have for our listeners here on uh, investing, the Genesis Asset Management way? I think that uh, we need to get comfortable with the idea that being afraid of the volatility of the last five or ten years has been a very, very expensive emotion. Uh, and, and our view is, and people are welcome to write an email, I'll be happy to send them this data, they can see white papers we've written, I'll send them all the PDFs they want, and all the research, 
but we sincerely believe that the next 20 years are going to look a lot like the 20 years after 1982 looked. And the surprise will be that everything turns out not only just fine, but much better than we're afraid they might be. Well, Mike, I certainly hope that that's an accurate projection here. Uh, If uh, our listeners would like more information, how can they get it? Sure thing. Uh, Free to send me an email. Uh, It's mike at genesisam.com. That's Genesis like the Bible. Asset management, that's the A and M at the end, dot com. Uh, They're free to go to the website, genesisam.com. I'm happy, as you mentioned, Charlie, I'm happy to add them to the same morning notes you get. Uh, They simply need to send me their email because that's how it arrives. Uh, And I'm happy to uh, put them on the uh, internal list where they can be included in the group that receives it, uh, you know, several times a week. There's no charge. Uh, they're, They're free to get it. And hopefully it adds value to their plans as well. Well, Mike, thank you. And I can uh, recommend the newsletter is very interesting reading uh, most every day and uh, can recommend it to anybody who would like that. In addition, anyone who would like to send us here an email about uh, Genesis Asset Management, please go ahead and do that at, at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. So, Mike, thank you very much again for joining us today. We've been talking with Mike Williams, Genesis Asset Management out of Chicago, and we appreciate all of your insights and all of your words with us here, Mike. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio today. You've been listening to the Strategic Investor your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.